This is The Dugout. Weekly interviews with Mariners manager Scott Service. Brought to you by Pizza Hut and by Mazda of Everett. Inside access to the clubhouse from Shannon Dreyer. Every Tuesday at 1 with Jake and Stacy on Seattle Sports Station. The home of the Mariners. All right, we got the dugout, and we're waiting for Scott Service right now to give you the Scott Service Show. In the meantime, we've got Shannon Dreyer joining us. Shannon, how you doing? Doing okay, Jake. I'm just looking out at the field right now, and I see a couple of Mariners players. It looks like they're talking to an Astros coach over there. Might be kind of hashing some things out a little bit. Now, or they Shannon, could just be visiting. That <laughs> happens too. That happens too, <laughs> Shannon. I saw that they were uh, that they had the uh, they had the roof open, and, and did you say that they were going to close it? Oh, yeah, they just closed it. It's 94 degrees outside. It was nice to see some blue sky. It's They usually have to open it. You do have a grass field here, so it does have to be open for part of the day. All right, well, it looks like we've got Scott Service with us. This is the Scott Service Show presented by Pizza Hut with support of Mazda of Everett. Skip, how's it going? Uh, it's toasty here in Houston. How are you guys doing in Seattle today? <laughs> well, I can't say it's that toasty, but it is a beautiful day out. looks like it's going to be 70 yeah. degrees. Uh, and nice. also what makes it a little bit warmer was uh, there was a little bit of fireworks in the ninth inning. Skip, uh, can you tell us what happened? Uh, yeah, I got thrown out of the game is what happened. It was, uh, <laughs> uh, it was a little crazy. Uh, we uh, felt, or I felt that they kind of took liberties and were maybe – Taking a shot at, at Ty France, I threw a ball behind him, went two out in the ninth inning, and um, you know, kind of voiced my frustration, and uh, they didn't like that, and they voiced their frustrations, and we talked about it a little bit. So, <laughs> uh, but it was it was nice. Julio stepped up after that two run bomb, which was awesome to see. Gave us a little cushion, and uh, nice to get that win in the first game of the series down here in Houston. Scott, perhaps you can help us out with this one. I mean, there's a manager stepping up for his player who is, uh, you know, you throw behind a player, you don't do that. That is not good. I I don't see why you're getting yelled at in that case, and I don't see why after the game. Uh, Dusty Baker said there's some bad blood brewing, even from last year. I know there are some Mariners that haven't always been happy with some things on the other side, but I I wasn't aware that this was a two-way affair. Uh, Neither was I. Uh, But, you know, you know, the Astros have something that we would like to get, and that's uh, a American League West title. So <laughs> we are going to scratch and claw, and uh, we have to, to prove that we're worthy, and we've been playing much better of late. So that, that's a good sign, and, and nice to see uh, you know excitement from our team. And uh, our guys are grinding every day, and you know we're at the end of a long trip, and sometimes you know the, the fuses get a little bit short. But uh, you know we play the Astros so much, we you know we know them very well, and. You know, we've had some highly contested games, and uh, that happens over the course of time, and no big deal. But we're back at it tonight. We've got Chris Flexen on the mound, and hopefully he can get us deep in the ballgame. And that's ultimately what matters, obviously, Skip, as you you know to go from one game to the next and, and you capitalize on an awesome first game win of the series uh, moving forward. In, in your experience as a player and also as a manager, you've, you've been, a lot of, been in a lot of heated moments over your career. Uh, can moments like that, last night uh, do something positive to galvanize a team? Absolutely. Uh, I think it does, uh, you know, it, it wakes guys up a little bit in the fact that, you know, why they're playing and what they're playing for, and they're playing together. Uh, I think, you know, when when things like that happen, it, it gives, uh, it's also a, a great distraction. I've, I've always believed the guys have something to talk about. Yeah, can you believe this guy said this? Or screw that guy, we should have got on him. You know, that type of stuff that goes on in the clubhouse, I think is, it brings a group together, and uh, you know you're looking for 
for some excitement. Like I said, we're in a, kind of the end of a long trip here. I will say the clubhouse is much livelier today than it typically is. So I, I think that maybe contributed to last night, but we'll see. Hopefully it carries over to tonight's game. You had an interesting comment, and this goes beyond what happens on the clubhouse, but out on the field as well. You said sometimes a little emotion and playing on edge helps. Is that a little extra for this club? Is that They could use a dose of that perhaps. I think every team uh, needs a dose of that at certain points throughout the season um, because it is a grind. And, you know, we have we still have a very young team. Um, and I think the younger players, as they start to get, you know, accustomed to, to big league, you know, the style of play and what happens, and certainly the intensity that is in a big league dugout, uh, much different than you're going to experience in a minor league dugout, uh, for sure. But uh, I think it's good for our young players to, to realize what's at stake and it is important. And, you know, when teams take a shot at maybe one of your guys that throw a ball behind them, it, it should raise everybody's attention. And and uh, it certainly got my attention last night, and I thought it was uncalled for. And uh, I think our team responded the right way. Uh, we handled things, and then we stepped up to the plate. Like I said, Julio hit a homer, and that's the best way to handle it for sure. <laughs> it is the best way to handle it. And Skip, you went right to where I was going to ask you next is in that moment, you know, obviously the emotions are raised. The, the stakes are very high. You're in the you're in the top of the ninth. Uh, it's a one run game, and then the 21 year old kid steps up to the plate and just absolutely puts the dagger in the game. Uh, how awesome was it to see him step up in that moment and deliver that for your team and really truly silence the crowd and bring that energy to your club? Well, I think we we've seen that there's no moment that's really too big for Julio. Um, with everything that, that he's been able, everything that's been thrown at him and how he's handled it so far uh, this season has just been, it's been awesome to, to sit back and watch. And you never know how young players are going to respond to different things that are thrown at them, uh, different situations. And certainly the emotions are high at that point, but uh, he just locks it in. You know, he's a really good baseball player. He's got a ton of confidence. Um, he, he plays with a certain swagger, so to speak, but it, it, he's respectful of the game and he's always trying to learn and whatnot. And, you learn a lot about yourself when you go through those moments. And you're not always going to come out on top and be successful, but he is a learner. Uh, he continues to, to grow, and uh, you know he hasn't even scratched the surface, I think, what he can do when it's all said and done at certain points throughout his career. So uh, he's playing really well right now. We've got to keep him healthy, keep him going, because he's huge to our team. I'm not sure if you had had an opportunity to get to a screen by the time he stepped to the plate, but if you did or if you thought about him stepping up to the plate after everything that had happened on, what what were you thinking? Is it's okay, it's Julio who's up next. Yeah, I was in the clubhouse. Unfortunately, you know, you clubhouse by eight, nine-second delay, so you actually hear something from our dugout. I knew something positive happened, but now I'm watching it play out on TV and you see it's a home run. So uh, uh, it's it's a little different, obviously, when you're sitting back on an eight-second delay. But uh, I was glad to see it. And, uh, again, uh, last night's game had a lot of a lot of stuff going on. I can't say enough about the job our bullpen did last night. You know, Penn Murphy, and then we got Ryan Barucki in the game. And, you know, we got three huge outs from Romo, who's been struggling a little bit lately. And, and you know, Diego Castillo has really turned things around here the last four or five outings. And that, for me, along obviously with some timely hits uh, last night, some big homer by Cal Raleigh, but the bullpen is really the story of the game last night. Uh, Skip, y- y- those were huge moments from the bullpen, and I'm sure that that was a welcome sight uh, for you. And there were some edgy moments, especially Sergio Romo's uh, finish to the inning. There was a lot of emotions tied to that, there's no doubt. Uh, but I wanted to turn over to Cal Raleigh. I mean, nine starts, yeah. Skip. He's hitting 270, slugging 568, three home runs, two doubles, 10 RBIs. 
uh, seven runs scored. I mean, this is a big change over the last nine starts for Cal and, and his ability at the plate. How good is it to see him have that kind of success? Uh, Cal's just been in a different uh, mindset, I think, here since he came back to us and get a chance to play after you know Tom Murphy went down with the, the shoulder injury. And um, he's starting to take ownership. Um, you know, and in, in what he does and, and in our team. And, you know, I, his game awareness has really improved. I think, you know, you talk about all the hits and the home runs, but you know, the, the impact you can have from behind the plate is it's so big. And, and slowing the game down, the mound visits, talking th- situations through with our pitchers and our, our pitching coaches on the bench. So we're all on the same page and how we want to attack the opposing lineup. All those things you never really see uh, unless you're behind the scenes. And, and those things really help you win ball games. And then you put on top of that what he's done offensively. He has made some adjustments. He has really shortened up his swing. Um, and we had, it really did it on the road trip is where it really started to show up for me. Uh, you know, he's actually choked up a little bit on the bat. He's just trying to sh- just trying to make solid contact. And he's so strong that it, and he's going to hit the ball in the air. He's going to run into home runs by mistake. But you've got to get the bat on the ball. And, and he's doing that. And he's staying very aggressive at the plate. And I love what I'm seeing. And you're starting to see – confidence grow and when confidence grows in young players there's nothing better because it's just like you can just see it the take off the light comes on and and uh, they just they feel like they're a part of something and he certainly does right now and rightly so kind of a two-parter that involves cal here last night um robbie ray w- was getting hard they were they're hit hard that is what they were you know just it was tough for him to really kind of find anything in those first two innings and I think if anybody's managing along, they're kind of looking out at the bullpen. Do you go to the bullpen? But no, you were able to keep him out there through five, save the bullpen a little bit. And, uh, you know, my question there is just, uh, A, how do you come to that decision that you are going to try and do that? And B, how instrumental was Cal in, in getting Robbie through that? Yeah, I think, you know, the situation last night was the first time we've really seen that happen with Robbie. You know, it wasn't, he just wasn't sharp. And they were on him. They had a definite plan on how they were going to attack him. Um, and that's kind of his plan A, is getting aggressive with the fastball in the strike zone early and then going to the slider. And uh, they were on it. And after the second inning, just talked with both Robbie and Cal about we need to go to plan B. We need to try some different things. And it's not really in Robbie's DNA to go to plan B, but sometimes you gotta, you got to act on the fly a little bit. And, and he mixed in a few change-ups and curveballs and just started to slow it down a little bit. And somehow you look up, and, and he's able to get into the fifth inning and then through the fifth inning, and then you know you like our chances at that point if our bullpen can, can stick right there. So uh, a lot of credit goes to Cal. Uh, I give a ton of credit to Robbie because, you know, he is so locked into what he does and how he does it. But there are certain nights you don't have it. you got to figure out. I think that's really the – for me, it's always been the, the true separator on, you know, the, the, the quality major league pitcher. The guy has a little experience that he can adjust on the fly to keep his team in the game. And last night we saw it firsthand. Um, it wasn't pretty, but at the end of the day, he gave us a chance to win. And, and that's all you can do on the nights you don't have your A game. Yeah, it, it is uh, interesting to watch. You know, somebody like Robbie Ray who who brings all of those elements to the table. And Skip, you know, when you talk to somebody like that, it's it, it's certainly not an effort thing, right? I mean, he he brings no. a ton of effort. He's a grinder. There's all these elements that you love about what he brings to the to the table for your your clubhouse. So, how do you help a player like that kind of sift through that process of how to really refine his his game and just let his talent come through? 
Yeah, I think you know that's kind of it goes back to, to my experiences in the game and, and having been a catcher for so many years and, and you so many experiences dealing with different types of pitchers and, and you kind of recognize things in the course of the game or where guys are at in a particular part in the season and then sit down and talk with them. I think it kind of goes back to maybe why so many catchers end up being managers. You, you have that relationship <laughs> with pitchers and you've been in so many of those conversations and the game will always be about pitching. That's never going to change. It's what keeps you in games. And But to try to relay maybe some of my experiences or, or things that have cropped up throughout my career that I've, I've known have helped. And last night, quickly, after two innings, I'm like, okay, this is that game. It's that game where you have to just take it an inning at a time. Don't get ahead of ourselves. Don't try to put this master plan together with the bullpen. Let's just try to ride out Robbie Ray as long as we can. And along the way, tweak a few things, make a few adjustments. We made a very critical play in the game when we threw the guy out at home plate because we we uh, executed a, a relay play, uh, which is huge. That was a huge out in the game. You know, I mean, otherwise you look up at second and third with one out and Robbie's on the edge. Now you look up, there's a guy on second, there's two out, and he's able to get out of the inning and walk off the mound. So, you know, we helped him out defensively there, and, and all those little things, pl- you know, play into big things when you're in that type of game. So, you know, you just got to keep talking with the players, talk with your guys, lean on your coaches. Um, you kind of put everybody together and, and, you know, try to come up with a plan, and we were able to get it done last night. Scott, what have we seen in these last 10 days? I mean, I think it looks like a, a great turnaround from what we saw in the majority of the month of May. Uh, we're playing with a little bit more edge. Uh, I think uh, guys understood that, you know, we've gone through a tough grind. We've we've lost some key players to injury. Uh, the travel has been brutal. <laughs> I don't typically talk about it. I don't want to make excuses, <laughs> but it, it, it's been rough. You know what I mean? And and I think our team realized where we were at on the last homestand. And, you know, we, we just lost two out of three to Oakland. And Houston was coming to town. And, and we needed to to turn up the dial a little bit uh, on the intensity level without trying too hard. I think it's just a matter of stay aggressive. I know with our team that that is the common theme, attack, attack, attack. When we get passive, when we start thinking too much, we don't play very well. Uh, We're just not wired that way. That's what I'm learning about our team is, is we play much better when we're on the attack. That's what we started to do. It's paid off with a number of players at the plate. Um, Our starting pitching for the most part has been pretty consistent. So, that's what's going to take going forward. We've got to stay on the attack, and, and hopefully it plays out well here the rest of the series in Houston. Uh, Skip, last question. You've been generous with your time, so thank you so much. Uh, you, you, going on that theme of attack, yeah, I love the way you approach you know first games of series and how important that is. What does that allow you guys to do now in these next two games as a team and as a mindset, as a manager, as you try to go and capture this series now? Well, it's constantly, it's about adjustments. Obviously, we spend a lot of time prepping going into each series, and you want to have a good plan and how we're going to line up our pitching, our bullpen, and lineups, things like that. But, you know, it's constantly about adjustments. You know, you, you look at the game last night, Altuve swung the bat very well. Tucker's gotten hot here lately. You know, so now you got to tweak things as you go game to game. So you really don't want to get too too far ahead of yourself. We focus on tonight's game, who's available out of the bullpen, you know, what what's available in their bullpen. So you start anticipating what might happen as the, as the game plays out, but it's really as crazy as it sounds. Like last night's game or win is only as big as, as today's win or loss, I should say. And, and you know, you, you really have to you, know, you try to build some momentum going forward, and you're hoping that carries over. But you know, it's really dictated on your starting pitcher, and, and uh, hopefully, Flexen keeps us in the game early tonight. If he does, I have a feeling you know we get very comfortable playing close games late. And, we usually execute well in those games, so I'm expecting tonight's game to be close as well. 
Well, Skip, thank you for your time, and uh, best of luck through the rest of the series. We're really rooting for you guys, and uh, it's fun to see you get fired up yesterday. <laughs> oh, I was fired up. <laughs> <laughs> we, we know. We, we loved okay. it. <laughs> I appreciate it, guys. Take care, man. All right. Thanks, Scott. All right, that was the Scott Service Show presented by Pizza Hut with support of Mazda of Everett. All right, well, Shannon, uh, what was your big takeaway from from that conversation uh, with the skip? You know, uh, there's a big takeaway, and I'm going to ask him a question about it later, but he said some things that I really wanted to hear. Uh, It was in the month of May. It was tough to see the losses kind of start to pile up and not to feel a sense of urgency from the team and Mm. i think there was some madness or method to that madness in that you had so many young players and that you had a newer group as far as who the whole group was and and i do think that they were not putting pressure on themselves uh intentionally that you had it's going to take a little bit for cal raleigh to come through it's going to take a little bit for julio rodriguez to turn into the home run hitting big moment julio rodriguez that it's going to take a little while for your rotation to come together and and to kind of overcome some of the losses that you've had in the bullpen and of your major players and at that point i don't know that how much good pressure is going to do do them but you know at some point you look and it was a 10 and an 18 may and it's like guys the horse is out of the barn down the hill around the corner and you know let's go and when he said that that series in oakland you know, kind of got people's attention. That's what I wanted to hear there. You know, it doesn't mean that you would have won that many more games. I think he's right. I think travel did play into it a lot. I think the losses of major players did play into it a lot. But the fact that they weren't as, you know, don't worry about it, as they were with us in the media and being in the clubhouse, that they did get that, that's what I want to hear. And what's really funny is I've got a short piece with a long notebook up, and I've been trying to not compare this to last year (laughs) when they turned the corner. And they turned the corner at a very specific point of the season, and it was one that it was one game, and I was as you know questioning things as much then, and then just blurted out after that game, I think this is it. I think this is the beginning that they've turned the corner. And I don't do that kind of thing, and it just came out, and lo and behold, that's when they turned the corner. And that actually was on a road trip, and they had just lost a series to the Detroit Tigers and dropped three straight to the Indians. And I'm wondering if that was kind of the same situation where, that you know, I don't think they actually look around, you know, the camera and the movie music, look around the room and the movie music starts and stuff like that. But I think there is a point where it kind of kicks in, we're better than this, and they get going. And I think that that is a little bit of what we've seen right now, along with the improvement of individuals. Shannon and Jake, how about some breaking news in Major League Baseball? Let's get to it. broke during the interview with Scott Service. The Angels have fired manager Joe Madden after two-plus years on the job. They're currently in the midst of a 12-game losing streak that has seen them go from 27-17 and 17 to now 27-29. and 29. Shannon, this is a stunning fall that the Angels have gone on. And to see Joe Madden lose his job because of it, I mean, how stunned are you at, at this whole situation playing out in Anaheim? Uh, very stunned, although I'll say it seemed like Madden was on the hot seat last year. I mean, they've got big expectations there. They have spent big dollars uh, over multiple years. And uh, to, so, you know, to, to have what they're going through right now, to be at a point where they were in first place for a little while in the division, then they were hanging with the Astros for a while, and now the Mariners are only a game and a half behind them. 
Uh, it's, uh, you know, that that's some quick reacting there. But, you know, again, they went out this off season. They added to that bullpen, which is something that they needed to do. And they got the unexpected performance from Taylor Ward, and they seem to get kind of one of those guys every every year. You've got two of the best players in Shohei Otani and Mike Trout. Uh, you know, on the planet, and so uh, I think that's expectations speaking right there, but it's still kind of a shock to actually see that come across. It, it is a shock, and Shannon, you, you mentioned Joe Madden kind of being on the hot seat. Is, is this a moment where, look, I mean, this is super early. This, this is early. It's not like it, the, the games now, I mean, obviously they really matter, but you're turning to an interim manager rather than Joe Madden. Are they kind of you know, shooting themselves in the foot here potentially by getting rid of a veteran manager like Joe Madden at this point of the season in in your estimation? I don't know. I think they're probably hoping for a spark at this point. We mm. don't know if, you know, did they think that there was something that he was doing that was harming the club or something he could have been doing that he wasn't doing. You know, that is a club where the owner is very, very involved. Did he fall out of favor with, with Artie Moreno? You know, I, I yeah. it's going to have to hear a little bit more. We haven't even seen them this year, which is just odd beyond right. belief at this point of the season. <laughs> but I think it is also indicative. I mean, I don't think it's early, and I think teams are kind of realizing that right now. Of course, Joe, Joe Girardi, another veteran manager, was let go over a week ago. So even with that extra wild card spot, kind of interesting that we are seeing this caliber of firings at this point and I do think that it points to expectations. It certainly does point to expectations. You mentioned the fact that you have not yet to see the Mariners uh, play the Angels. It is pretty wild to think about that and and, uh, the first time they get to see them, they got a five game series so that's going to be a lot of fun. Well, Shannon we will let you go. We will connect back with you at 145. Uh, Coming up next, we're going to talk to Mariners broadcaster Aaron Goldsmith on the Emerald Queen Casino Sportsbook Hotline. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to The Dugout every Tuesday at 1 with Jake and Stacy on Seattle Sports Station, the home of the Mariners. Joining us now on the Emerald Queen Casino Sportsbook Hotline, we welcome in Mariners broadcaster Aaron Goldsmith. Goldie, how you doing, man? Hey, guys. I'm doing very well. Uh, it's good to be with you, as always, even with C-Rudge on the program. Good talking Mariners with you. <laughs> well, despite the fact that My Curtis... My apologies, Aaron. <laughs> despite the fact that Curtis has joined us, I, I'm so sorry for this. Uh, we had one heck of a game last night. Emotions were high. And from your perspective, what the heck happened out there? Man... That was crazy. Second straight game where the Astros have had a pitcher ejected in the ninth inning, which is kind of interesting. It was Ryan Presley before that in the final game of the road trip in Kansas City. So uh, hopefully this doesn't become a thing for the Astros, especially with as much of the Mariners see them. Yeah, you know, if I'm a Mariners fan on my couch, and even if I'd watched the whole game, but certainly if I had missed part of it, the only thing that we could figure, and we're hoping to show uh, some footage of this tonight in in the open to our telecast, is – you know, Robbie Ray, who was spraying the ball a little bit last night, and we've seen him struggle with that at times this year. You know, he, he missed inside badly to Kyle Tucker. Uh, and I believe it was in the fifth inning. So it was much earlier than when all the fisticuffs happened in the ninth. And the only thing that we could think of, and I, I talked to some of the Astros broadcasters after the game to see if they saw the same thing. That's the only thing that we can point at as to why this would have happened with Ty and then Suarez. You can go back and you can point to last year and the Dylan Moore thing and Brooks Raley. He throws it 
I think it was JP, and then he gets run from the game and suspended for a game. I mean, like, I get some of that. I would also say that this is, what, the third series these two teams have played together this year. So it feels like a lot of time has passed since last year. I know Dusty mentioned some bad blood between these two teams. Um, but, yeah, the, the the Robbie thing, which I don't I don't believe was intentional for Robbie to throw into Kyle Tucker. He'd homered off of Robbie earlier, which might lead to a smoking gun for, from an Astros perspective. Uh, but it was it was bizarre. It was wild. Uh, anytime you see a, a guy get a, thrown at the head and two managers ejected, that's not your typical night of the ballpark. So hopefully it's behind both teams. Nobody wants to see that carry over to tonight, that's for sure. Aaron, do you see a, a moment like last night in that ninth inning where bench is clear as sort of a galvanizing moment for this Mariners team, a team that's been looking for a spark over the last couple months, really since the end of April? Do you think last night can, can serve as that for this team going forward? You know, see, Roger, I understand the question. I think that's a fair question. But at the same time, I don't think any of that matters if Chris Flexen doesn't do his job tonight. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, all of that, baseball, even though it's every day, it starts new each night in, in some regards. And as galvanizing as that can be, I think that only is galvanizing if the Mariners continue to play well. And if your starting pitcher goes out and does his job, which Chris Luxon is certainly capable of doing, and he did it the last time he squared off mano a mano against Justin Verlander. So, yeah, maybe. Um, maybe yes, but also maybe not. And I don't mean to waffle and be on the fence with that, but I just think that's the way the baseball works. And uh, the Mariners have had a really nice prolonged run here and in a lot of ways because of the rotation. And hopefully that continues tonight, whether or not last night happened. We'll just call you Aaron Butterworth because you're waffling so much. <laughs> uh, Aaron, you know, also this could be one of those moments where you tell Curtis and I that we need to pump the brakes a little bit here. Uh, obviously, this was an emotional night last night, but seeing what happened with Ty France, then you see the you know argument that happens and takes place, an exchange of words. I'm sure uh, some nice words were exchanged there. And the emotions are running hot. The game is on the line. And here is this 21-year-old kid in Julio Rodriguez stepping up to the plate. And jacks a home run, opposite home run, to blow this game wide open. Is that not a, you know, maybe not the most defining moment, but a critical moment into him ascending from a rookie into somebody that truly, truly belongs in this league? Well, I think uh, I do. I appreciate the passion both of you have for Julio in this regard, for sure. Uh, we all we all share it. Uh, I think you know Julio, whether or not he did that last night, and I, I understand your question, Jake. Don't get me wrong. I think but I, I would say that whether or not he hit an opposite field dinger or he punched out on three pitches, I mean, you guys, I'm sure, agree with this and have seen it. I mean, he has done so much to establish he belongs in this game as a 21-year-old batting third, no less. Uh, For a team that came into this season with real postseason aspirations, uh, I think the the timing, maybe more to your point there, Jake, I mean, the timing that he had with that home run when the crowd is really getting into it and is very anti-Mariners because of the scuffle and everything else, and for Julio to say, who's talking now uh, with that home run, it was pretty impressive. Uh, pretty for the home run itself was impressive. The timing even more so. Uh, but for Julio, 
you, you're you're at a point now where it's really like, what what can't this guy do? This is a series where we're seeing the two guys that right now are looking to be the front runners for the American League Rookie of the Year. Certainly, there's time for another candidate to emerge, but Jeremy Pena and Julio Rodriguez are are staking their case. And for Julio, we're biased. We see him each and every day. Payne is a great player. He's a really great player at shortstop for the Astros. But, man, Julio can do it all. He can do everything. And he's only getting better each and every game. Uh, it's been remarkable what he has been able to do at this level. And we're forgetting that he's 21 years old because he's he's making a a really hard game look fairly easy at times. Uh, Aaron, how awesome is it to see Julio find uh, his ability, his swing to be able to get the ball over the fence. I mean, you, you've seen the power, you've seen the exit velo, even on ground balls, you know, for quite some time. But now that he's finally getting that lift, uh, it, it changes the complexion of how they pitch to him. And I'm sure how everybody looks at him uh, from, from an opposing team standpoint. So I was looking into this the other day, Jake. The Mariners have not had a 2020 season, that is 20 home runs and 20 stolen bases, since another number 44 for the Mariners, Mike Cameron. Cammy had a couple of them, mm. and I think he had some close calls as well. Like he was pretty close on, a, on at least one other season. But the last 2020 year for the Mariners was Mike Cameron, and that was in 2002. He did it in 2001 as well. I mean, uh, Julio's going to have 20 bags by, you know, in a, in a week, maybe. <laughs> I mean, what is he at now? 17. Um, but Julio has historically hit the ball on the ground at a fairly healthy rate. If you look at his minor league numbers, when I looked at them a while ago, I, I, if memory serves, it was something in the neighborhood of like 50% of the time, half the time when he put the ball in play, it was on the ground. So he's always been a good hitter, a very good hitter, who hits the ball very hard and has hit it on the ground with some regularity. Um, as you guys have seen, as all Mariners fans have seen, he will find a lot of base hits more than the norm hitting the ball on the ground because he, A, does hit the ball so incredibly hard. Uh, last look, he was in the top 25 in hard hit rate in baseball, which that number will, you'd imagine, continue to, to climb. And with his speed, right? He does not have to square a ball up to get to first base because he is a top five, top ten, certainly a runner in Major League Baseball right now despite his size. But once he starts to get the consistent ability to barrel, and barreling, it's, it's one of the hardest things to do in baseball, and that is hit the ball hard on a great trajectory that will lead to hits regularly. I mean, it is the optimum result for a major league hitter to hit the ball with great authority in the air. That's not a pop fly or a routine fly ball, but to really sting it at a good angle. Once he finds the ability to do that consistently, which is a hard skill set, I can't emphasize that enough. I mean, you can forget 2020, man. Let's start talking 30-30. You want to talk 40-40? I don't think any <laughs> of do that. I, don't, I, I truly, I mean, I'm, I'm not being the homer guy. I, I really don't think that that is out of the realm of possibility. I'm not saying that Julio is going to be a 40-40 guy and, not this year, and it might never happen. But you're not crazy to say, you know, that could happen for Julio Rodriguez. And think about this for a second, guys. I mean, how many guys in Major League Baseball right now, and the game is chalked, man. It's chalked full of stars and a lot of young stars that are tremendous athletes, incredible talent. How many guys can you really look at on any team in baseball right now and say, yeah, he could be a 40-40 guy? Absolutely. He could do it. I mean, you can probably count it on one hand. Maybe bleeds over to a couple other fingers, but probably one hand. And Julio is one of those guys. Uh, he's got that kind of power 
He just needs to be able to consistently get the ball in the air, which will happen. It's going to happen. It could happen this year. It could happen in a month um, where he at least gets a hot streak of that. I don't think there's any question. So it's – he's uh, – I got. I have to watch what I say because I, it can be it can be easy to kind of go cup runneth over here. But he's a, he's a talent like you don't see often, man. You guys you guys realize that. I think we all realize it. But because we see it every day, we can't lose sight of it. He's special. Yeah, he is special. And uh, you know who also is special is the one and only Aaron oh, Goldsmith, wow. Mariners broadcaster. Thank you so much for joining us today, Goldie. Uh, always love hearing your calls and love your passion. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, Aaron. Hey, see, hey, see, Raj, let's cool it on the Arizona College baseball tweets, okay? Nobody needs to see that. Well, hey, well, we got eliminated in the regional, <laughs> twenty-two to six. Uh, that'll that'll shut me up real quick. But look, all right, perfect. It's good to know. We appreciate it, guys. Good <laughs> talking to you as always. What's up with Goldsmith coming at you? Look, I don't need to take that from Aaron. <laughs> you don't. You're not right. at all. You don't, and at I all. won't. <laughs> uh, always love Aaron Goldsmith coming on with us. Uh, always a great time. All right, don't go anywhere. We're rounding out the dugout here. Last segment with Shannon Dreyer. You're not going to want to miss this. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to The Dugout every Tuesday at 1 with Jake and Stacy on Seattle Sports Station, the home of the Mariners. All right, we have Shannon Dreyer on the Emerald Queen Casino Sport, Sportsbook Hotline. This interview with Shannon is powered by Pacific Lamp and Supply. Shannon, uh, long time no talk. Uh, we uh, we have a uh, series to preview here. How about this game tonight? Chris Flexen against Justin Verlander. Lineups are out. What stands out to you? Well, uh, you know, it's a rematch of what we saw on May 27th, and that was a fantastic game for the Mariners as they got to Justin Verlander and hit three home runs off of him, just jumped him early on in that game, and he was not able to recover, uh, which was something you don't see very often from him. So I think they go into the game with a lot of confidence, knowing that they've gotten to him before. Chris Flexen coming off a little bit of a rocky outing, but, you know, he, it's, it's going to be the same with him always. If he has his pitches, he's going to be out there for a good amount of time. If he doesn't have all four of his pitches he's going to have to find a way to battle but he does battle so uh yeah i think you're going to have two teams that have faced these pitchers in the very near uh distant past and it's going to be a matter of who can make the adjustments and uh, we shall see what happens shannon cal raleigh has been playing some really good baseball as of late obviously last night with the four rbis the home run uh would have been one of the stories of the game if obviously that ninth inning it hadn't happened but it seems like he is now rounding into a more complete player behind the dish, especially in the month of June and really to end the month of May. What have you seen from him in the strides that he is making? Well, this is a guy, I mean, let's remember, he has been a catcher his entire life. His dad is a college coach. He has lived and breathed catching in the game. And I think that he has always had the mental side of it. I think he's been a good game caller. I think he, um, you know, dating all the way back to, I remember when he was in single A and, and double A, I was very opinionated about what he wanted to do with his pitchers. And he and Logan Gilbert actually got into it back then. And they basically had to put the two of them in a room and say, figure it out. And they did, and uh, you know they had they called it I think the big truth meeting, and they both talked to each other. And Logan's the same way; he knows what he wants to do, and he's very in control of what he is doing out there. But um, I think that that was probably very instrumental in in Cal's kind of education at, at pro ball and handling pitchers and, and going from there. And now they're roommates, and and 
<laughs> Hogan revealed that Cal sometimes cooks him breakfast and makes good breakfast sandwiches. Um, but I, I think that that part of his game has been there. Uh, I think that right now and, and where we're seeing him with it is I think there's probably more confidence in it. He got the full spring training with the pitchers down there. He had a good idea. I think that he was going to be on the club early on, and I think that you are starting to say, see him take a little bit more ownership of it. So, you know, this is a guy that the evaluators forever have said he's going to be strong behind the plate, and he should probably be average for a switch hitter at the plate, but you know he's got crazy power. You see the insane exit velocities off the bat, and now you're starting to see the ball fly, and that is a very, very valuable player to have. And in turn, you're starting to see him play more, which has been fun. Absolutely, and it certainly lengthens up your lineup, which you need in the worst way. Uh, Shannon, I want to ask you a couple uh, injury updates here. Uh, one, Kyle Lewis, uh, what do we know about him at the current moment? Same thing we knew yesterday and the day before and the day before that. He's got a concussion. When he's free of concussion symptoms, that's when you'll see him again. Okay. Well, how about uh, when we look at the the bullpen, uh, we're looking at uh, Ken Giles, Eric Swanson. Uh, I know that both of them were in different uh, you know parts of their rehabbing process. Uh, how does it currently stand for those two? Well, we're not going to see either of them in this series, and you're hopeful that you will see Eric Swanson early on at home. They weren't quite sure how many rehab starts or outings that he would have, and after the first, he felt that he needed another. He needed to, to get through that recovery and go again, so I'm anxious to see uh, what happens the next time he pitches. Could be tonight, could be tomorrow. And then Giles, I think I saw the last time he threw, it was his third or his fourth outing and did not give up a run. Uh, it was uh, for Everett, so a lower level of competition, but you know he will know when he's ready. He's a veteran. He will know when everything feels right. The other that I would keep an eye on uh, is Drew Steckenrider to see if he gets it turned around because that is somebody that can help out this bullpen mm. as well. But he's got to be you know closer to the Drew Steckenrider that we saw last year. So there is help out there. The question is, and you're asking me this, and unfortunately I don't have the answers. Is <laughs> when will we see it? <laughs> Speaking of that bullpen and, and help, well, they've been getting a lot of it from one of the guys who I think a lot was expected of this season lately, and that's Diego Castillo. Shannon, he has been lights out for the most part over this last, what, seven or eight appearances. What has been the biggest change you've seen in him going from that pitcher having a lot of struggles in, in April and May to, I mean, last night, another really solid outing from him? He's been more consistent with the slider. It's always been his pitch, but he really didn't have the best command of it early on in the season. Uh, I think they were putting him in better spots, too. I don't think he's a guy that you want to bring in with runners on base unless you have to. Uh, starting a clean inning, he can do. And I think that we're learning that. I think he thrives a little bit more in the higher leverage roles. This is a guy that has been a closer when, when closers were actually a thing for the majority of his career. And he's, he's, had, he's been in some big spots with the Rays. He has pitched in World Series, and I think that... That is something that gets him a little bit perhaps more fired up, that, that he wants to be the guy out there. It was interesting. I talked to Luis Torrens out on the field a, a few days ago in a walk-off interview, and uh, they you know needed one more out, and we saw Luis, Diego throws one pitch, and Torrens runs out to the mound and just starts talking to him. And I asked, what did you tell him? You know, what, what did you see? It wasn't a mechanic. He said, no. I was telling him that he was the guy, that, you know, this is, this is it and this is your spot right here and, and, and let's go. And uh, I think that that is something that um, I think has helped him along as well. And there's plenty of that leverage work. There's no question about it. The Mariners do not employ a closer. It's you've got guys that can pitch in the biggest parts of the game. It's 
not always the ninth inning, and perhaps you know that is something that Diego realizes as well. But it, it's been good to see what he does, and I'm starting to wonder if he's a guy that maybe uh, benefits from throwing more. Yeah, I think that sometimes when you get into uh, streaks where you're not winning and not using these arms, or you're in a streak where you're not doing well and they have to find a spot to use you, not having that consistency and going out there can hurt some pitchers, and I'm wondering if that's uh, true for him as well. Well, Shannon, thank you so much for your time. It's been great to have you both on the Scott Service Show and to be able to talk to you later on. So thank you so much. Anytime. All right, this has been The Dugout, and uh, we are wrapping this up on Seattle Sports Station on 710 and the Seattle Sports app. Don't go anywhere. Wyman and Bob are coming up next.